Great morning. Great to be with you this morning. Um, thank you, Jean, for reading. So lovely, very. Thank you for reading those passages. Um, and I think it's probably feel like I need to do a confession in preparation for this morning. Um, you know, I started out with, with one idea, one sort of prompting that I felt was weighing, then escalated into other things, got a little bit messier. I was trying to pull it all back. You know, when something starts to escape, you think, how do you pull it back to something that feels really tangible and clear? And so I definitely got myself in that position about a week ago where all my thinking was like everywhere. I was like, how do I pull it back? But talking about growth um, is something that seems to quite naturally excite me. Um, I am someone who likes to see things grow, and I think a lot of people like to see things grow. When we think about being in the UK, we think a lot about our gardens and the flowers and the seeds and the things that come of season that we plant and we watch come, come the spring. If you have a vegetable plot, that might be what you spend a lot of your time doing um, at the start of the year, sowing out seeds and potting them on and then potting them into a veg plot. Um, and I love that and the satisfaction of seeing something grow and when you can actually uh, retrieve that come harvest time. We're celebrating harvest around this time of the year. If unlike me, well, hopefully you're more successful. Slugs ate all of us um, twice in a row in the same year. So I'm not a big fan of slugs right now. But the happiness, the joy, the um, fulfillment that you see when you see something grow that you have put your hand to. When we work and we earn our money and we do jobs and we want to see something come, we want to be productive uh, if you put your money in savings, if you have savings, and you see the investment go up, you're looking at it going up. When it goes down, that's a little bit sad. We don't really like that. Um, we'd rather not face into it. When we have families and kids and we see kids grow up, as much as I would love them to stay small forever because they're incredibly cute and uh, just yeah, amazing, but when you see them grow and how God is teaching and forming and developing each one of those kids that you might know or come into contact with, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, to see growth. There's even something called growth mindset now. Um, I don't know how much they teach it, but I've come across it. But this idea that we can often limit ourselves when we say, I can't do something. And, and we put like a, a little bit of a barrier up and say, oh, well, I can't do that. I know I can't do that. Actually, let's rethink it. I can't do it yet. Maybe it's just we can't do it right now. When you're a kid that is learning how to spell, Phoebe has a spelling test tomorrow. You can pray for that. Sometimes you just can't do it yet. You haven't cracked it yet. It's just the yet. It's not now. You might not be able to do it now, but yet, maybe in the future. I'm definitely a person that likes growth. Um, and I like big vision and big dreams because I believe we have a big God. And I think our Western world system is kind of also driven in that way. Maybe not always for the good. Um, we do see, you know, we strive for growth from a capitalistic point of view when we think about our economy. Are we struggling in vain in things that actually aren't godly and holy? But I love a God vision, a God vision that's big. And why wouldn't we? I feel like we see a lot in the Bible about God who is a creator. He has a story, the, the Bible just unpacks so much of who God is and the journey and how he's thinking and where we're going. It's a big story. It's not, it's not a paragraph that's written somewhere. He's gone into detail about that. And it's a big thing. His kingdom is a big thing. It's no small feat. 
I guess um, it's always served me well working in fundraising. Uh, I like to have a big fundraising target, and uh, in a secular charity, you'll sit there and you'll do, well, some people try and say it's a science, but it's not really a science. There's a lot of science and art when it comes to fundraising, and you set your target of what you think you're going to bring in this year and how you're going to do it and all the different conversations or activities. And one of the things that I have loved in leading teams is you can do all that bit, the stuff that makes sense, that you think you can work out. But when you're working in a Christian organization, you have what I call the God factor. You have to leave that space, that space for growth that you're not going to understand. It's not going to make sense. It's not going to be a conversation that you have pinned down and you know what someone's giving. It's where God is working. He uses you to do it, but he is working to grow. That's something that I've always loved um, in fundraising. Also, in the vision of our organization, we do big, big vision things. So we are growing in the work that we do overseas. We had a vision to work with so many churches. We're now working with 25,000 churches. There's a vision to work with 250,000 churches. That's globally. That's not something that any one person can do, going from church to church and talking to different people. That's about network, and that's about God. That's about God releasing something and being active and being at work. And when I think about God being active at work, that's about his kingdom. That's about his rule, his reign, his values, people coming to know who he is. I'm just going to read uh, Matthew 13, 31 again. In fact, maybe I'll read it with... Hopefully you all had a little bit of an envelope as you came in. If you're able to, maybe let's open it up. It might be quite stuck down. I'm not sure how easy it is to open these, actually. I didn't test that beforehand. It's quite stuck, isn't it? There might also be cracks in your envelope because there's a little hole in different places. And just pour a couple onto your hand. So just to assure you, unless you have an allergy to mustard, at which case, stop. Uh, If you don't have an allergy to mustard, these, I believe, are mustard seeds, although the kind that you'd probably find to cook with. Pop them on your hand. We were talking, and we have that picture, and I don't know if you'd like to pop that picture back up um, as I just reread that verse about the mustard seed. So he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Can you imagine, if you can grab hold of one, that a bird can perch in the branch of what comes from this seed? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that a challenge? As we think about the things that we, uh, we look and we think are small and might not have much impact, but how mighty they are. In this small seed, this is representing God's kingdom, there's everything for God's kingdom in this seed. You can't even see it. My fingers are just way too big. They're like swallowing up. God's whole kingdom is effectively in this seed. The potential that sits in this, that is just waiting to be released, waiting to grow into that tree that we saw behind us when you compare the size. I think you said it, that was about 20 to 30 feet high and 20 to 30 feet wide, Jean. It's huge. The kingdom of God might start from something small, 
but it ripples out and it grows. And not only does it grow, a tree is a sign of life, isn't it? And when we think about, um, it says about how the birds rest, the birds come and perch in its branches. That's life-giving. People come, they sit and dwell in the kingdom, they find their space, they hear what's happening. The kingdom changes them, it draws them in, and that's where they, they lay and they rest and they sit. The scale is um, incredible. Uh, I love scale things as well, so something that's so small that's so big. I don't, think, uh, I don't know if there's a mathematical equation, mathematicians in here, about what that would be in terms of size of growth from a tiny seed to the tree that size. And not just a tree that size, a tree that holds and shelters many people. And then Matthew 13, 33, where we talk about the leaven, where we hear the Bible talk about the leaven, the yeast. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And I read somewhere that if you're doing the ratios, I mean, I Googled it, so I can't, I'm not going to guarantee that this is the case, but it said it was about 54 large loaves that that would bake, which is quite a lot of large loaves. Um, I also have with me a little bit. Well, I don't know. If there's anyone who'd like to come and help me out here, I don't know. Anyone down this side? Yeah, go for it. Right, so we've got a wooden stick, a bowl. Di, would you like to come as well? So if I did my measurements right this morning, which I'm not really sure, um, this is flour, and that's about 500 grams. You can pop that into there. I know, I did wonder about that, actually. I thought we could, uh, yeah, pop it in. There we go. Phew, no mess on the floor. We're not going to end up in trouble. Thank you. And this is um, effectively seven grams of yeast. And I did think about, you know, pouring out seven grams of yeast in each of your little packets, so it's dried yeast. Um, and if you'd like to pour that in as well. And then you can give it a little mix. So I did think about whether we bought a jug of water and we actually <laughs> kneaded the dough and then, you know, watched it rise. But as we sprinkle the yeast in, all in, all of it in, we saw the comparison of what seven grams looked like to the 500. Do with an oven in here. Um, and then we'll give it a little mix. And I think one of the things, or, or the two of the things that we saw... When we thought about how much in the Bible verse, how many loaves of bread, if that was 54, it would make, or when we think about the size of how much yeast went into this flour, and when we make a loaf of bread, we could put the dough back up, but you know, we see, we see bread rise. Yeast is one of those things that in the Bible is sometimes associated with sin and with bad things, and they talk about how the yeast um, can, once you have a little bit of yeast, how that could ruin a batch, or um, when we think about the leavened bread, and actually we have unleavened bread. But yeast is incredible, and I think it's really interesting that God chooses, Jesus chooses to use yeast. No, we won't, we won't go that far, no. That's going to be really too embarrassing. <laughs> Maybe later. Um, how God uses this. And Sue, so I don't know if we have a quick look. Can, Anne, sorry, can you have a quick look and see if you can see that yeast in there? I don't know if you can find. 
No. Can you dye? Can you see any yeast? Can you see the powdered yeast? I mean, there are different types of yeast as well. You can get it in different forms. No, I didn't think so. And I can't imagine finding a sieve that you'd be able to sieve that through to pull that yeast back out. It'd be pretty tough. I think that's what we see when we see the dough when we do add the water, and it looks like this. Um, it's so mixed that there is no way you can separate that yeast from the flour. There is no way that you can separate the kingdom um, and all that's happening from what's going on. The kingdom is going in, it's mixing, it's getting stuck in, and then it grows. It infuses, it infiltrates. Nick, we had a word earlier that you mentioned, essence. It's like essence of the kingdom. It goes through everything within here. Thank you for uh, helping me demonstrate. If you would like to add water later, we could try a loaf. <laughs> and I love that. That's something so small. We've got the size of the mustard seed that grows. The yeast that is put into a big bowl of flour. The effect that that has. That not only does it create so much and it, so many loaves, it grows the loaf but it's also so entwined and mixed, you can't separate it. The kingdom of God. When we think of it as yeast and how it grows and multiplies, and we see it in our, in our earthly space as well, how it expands, it overtakes, it consumes, it changes forever. It's a bit like when we think how we become Christians and we accept Jesus into our lives. We ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. We are changed. Both of these parables, when I've thought about the growth of the kingdom, I love that it's gone from small to big. But they've also always drawn me to what does that mean for me then in the kingdom? Because these are things that are happening where you're seeing that God is working, his kingdom is growing. And Rob, you mentioned, you referenced the verse, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, you said Christ in you was the verse you mentioned. And for me, growing up, that was a really critical verse, if it's from the same place. But in Colossians, it talks about Christ in us being the hope of glory, the hope of his glory. And I've always thought about that as I've thought about kingdom. What does that mean if Christ is in me, I'm the hope of his glory? What does that require of me? And I guess the challenge that actually we also have a God who is all-encompassing, all-being, all-powerful, has it all sorted. So what am I in that? Like why, why am I in that when God has that all sorted? By his nature, he is a perfect God. It is complete. The kingdom that sits outside of our earthly understandings and times and concepts. That we can't really, in our own person, add or take away from. Because it is God's kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's not what we build or we uh, create. It is God's kingdom. We pray in Matthew 6, your kingdom come. We don't say your kingdom grow or let us build your kingdom. We say your kingdom come. We asked for God's kingdom to break through. And so that had been a challenge to me over recent um, months, that kind of sense of it is God's kingdom, though. He's got it all sorted. And there are some Christians who will sit back as well and be like, oh, well, then, then what do I do? I don't need to worry. Because God is in control and has it sorted. 
Another way to think of it maybe is to see God's kingdom break through the reality. Like in that mustard seed, the reality is the whole kingdom was there. It was about becoming. The kingdom became into what it is, stepping into its reality, to what it was already meant to be. Is about fulfilling what's there. And so there can be that tension. And I think we see it quite a lot in the Bible, in our faith, in conversations that we hold. When we have a, a king who has a kingdom, who already knows the end. The battle is already won. Don't we often say that? The battle is already won. And yet we are in that battle. We are facing the day-to-day decisions and having to work through different things. We know and we hear about our God that has a still, small voice, and that's how we can hear him. But we also know that he is a God of incredible things that calls stuff into being. When we think about the kingdom, we think about the now and not yet, the fact that there's parts of the kingdom that we can glimpse now, but we know we're never going to see that, not until way, way, way off. We're not going to see the fullness of it. Even in our salvation, um, some of you may have grown up hearing, I know I did, that, that kind of description where we walk through an arch. So on, the, on one side, you sort of see the, okay, I'm choosing Jesus as my savior type message across the top. And when you walk through and turn around, it says you are chosen. Isn't that a weird thing to hold? <laughs> that God chooses us, but he gives us that freedom of choice and that will. He keeps that open. It's a real tension to hold, isn't it? I think there's a lot of tensions like that. The battle is already won, yet we are in it. We choose, but he has chosen us. In the kingdom, the idea that the kingdom is already here and present in different ways, and yet he chooses us to be part of that. We are told to help bring people into the kingdom, to be fishers of men. We're commanded to go into the world, to spread the good news, to love our neighbor. God is asking us to be part of that kingdom in different ways. He already has the kingdom. It is his. It's not taken away from that. But he chooses to have us involved in that kingdom. And we have to be really, really careful on the balance of that. Um, working in a Christian organization, you can often get a little bit over, uh, overcome by what you think is the goal and where you're going, the direction, uh, because you know you're working for a higher purpose and, and for a kingdom. That's often how we refer to different parts of work that you see, seeing parts of God's kingdom come into being. And I remember um, it was a couple years ago, and we were at an event, and we often do lots of events, and it was uh, in a big field, and I was sat on the side watching this event happen. It wasn't an event I was running, so there was a bit of pressure that was off me. Um, And I was sat down and just pondering, and our CEO was walking around, and he came and sat next to me. And um, it it was a bit of a tricky season for us, generally, and he was sort of checking in and seeing how I was doing. And I am an emotional leader. I lead sometimes with some emotion around me, and I have to put that aside when I can. Um, and he was very gracious and sat as I was quite emotional with him about the challenge of the event and what was happening and the things that were going on around us and not seeing what I wanted to see, what I felt God was saying, this should be happening. This is what we need in order to do X, Y, and Z. 
And I just shared that with him in amongst my bubbling tears, that kind of sense of disappointment. And he said, Fiona, why are you holding this so heavily? I think I, there are some things that I take with high responsibility and feel the weight of. Why are you holding it so heavily? And I just paused and breathed. Because in all the doing, and in all the being, and wanting to achieve and to see, and the desire to see God's kingdom, and God's kingdom to come in different ways, I was pushing myself and, and working and working. And maybe that's the, the working out of effort rather than working on my reliance on God rather than finding a peace that says, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and what you're calling me to do, and I'm going to listen and step so closely to that, but that is all I can do. I can't do more than that, because God, you are at work. When we go out to be fishers of men, we have to go out and we have to talk, and that is what God has commanded us, but we know it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people. It's not the words that we're going to use. It's not um, however we might want to twist a story or, or change or inspire. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to convict them. It's a partnership. We, we have to do our bit, and the Holy Spirit is doing their bit. God is not dependent on us, but he chooses us, which I think is incredible. <laughs> he invites us to be part of it. I mean, if you're a bit of a micromanager like me too, why would I invite someone to be part of what I want to do when I think they might just get it all wrong? I know what I want to do, I'm going to get it done my way. But God sits there and says, I want to do this in relationship with you. I want to choose you to be part of what I see in this kingdom, what I am growing, what I have, my rule and my reign, the salvation of many. He wants us to be active. His kingdom story is an active story. Someone mentioned about uh, restoration when we were sharing, I'm really sorry, I can't remember. But he is restoring all the time. He is renewing. He is bringing more people to faith. Amazing. How incredible that God doesn't just want to save us. He doesn't just want a nice, cozy relationship with us. But he sat there saying, you can do something. You can be part of it. And always to hold in that tension that if you... You know, it's not about us, because if you don't do it, someone else will be called to do it. Someone else will step in. He'll find another way around. He is our God. So when I think of growth, they're all the things I think about. When I think about the kingdom that is growing, it's in the tension that God gives us those opportunities to engage as well. It grows from something so tiny into something so huge. It weaves its way in. It stretches, it multiplies. Once it's mixed in, it can't be separated. There's so much more that you can go and dig. And maybe in your house groups, you can dig into it, and you can question, you can challenge, and you can push with each other and see other bits about kingdom growth. But I guess today I really felt there were three, three things that were on my heart for this morning. All around invitation. And I guess the first is, if you don't know much about God, you don't know much about Jesus, you don't know much about the kingdom, if they're just words that you've heard, that's the first thing that I would love you to think about. 
The second is if you're a person that is working hard to build in and grow the kingdom, then maybe step back. Because it's not your effort. It's not your, your vision and your dream. It's God's. Step back. And find a freedom in that. Don't carry the weight of it. And if you are someone who is sat enjoying the relationship, knowing that you have a faith in Christ, that you are saved, there is so much more. Because joining in God's kingdom and listening into what he might be calling you to do and to stepping out in a faith that is challenging and scary and might push you to a limit at different places, you are going to see so much of what God has in store for you. We often talk about living life till it's full, for its fullness and seeing transformation that we live life in its fullness. But to see life in its fullness, you have to move yourself to an edge. You have to put yourself a little bit further away from your comfort zone. You have to explore and step out. You're not going to see fullness sat where you are. You see fullness when you're in an uncomfortable place or challenging or doing something new or different. So, as I close, I wonder if you would all stand if you're able. And if you have any of those mustard seeds left, if they've not fallen on the floor, maybe we can grow some mustard trees through this church. <laughs> See if the hoover can pick them up. But I think if they can grow, that would be better. Um, pop some in your hand. Have a quick look at them. Roll them on your fingers. The potential that that one seed has to grow. And then we're just going to pause and wait a little bit. And we're going to wait on God and we're going to wait on the Holy Spirit. If you haven't heard that much about Jesus, that he... It's our salvation that God wants to reconcile us to him. That the Holy Spirit wants to live and dwell in you. If that is a new story to you, then hold that. Ask for revelation. Ask for God to show you more. And don't leave here without a conversation with someone. If you are the person who is working their socks off in order to bring the kingdom here, God doesn't want you to burn out. He doesn't want you, he doesn't want his people flat on the floor. He wants you refreshed and revived. He wants you focused on his calling, not distracted by anything that you have put and maybe potentially put before him in terms of a God or a face or a direction or a goal. He wants you focused on him. There is freedom. Don't carry the weight of what you think you're supposed to be doing because there is freedom. God is in it. And everything that you do do, God is using, even when you think it's not working. Everything you do, God is using for his kingdom and his glory. Not our own, his kingdom and his glory. And if you are the person who has a really great faith, 
You understand Jesus. You are solid in your, your faith in him. But maybe you're not sure what next. You're not sure what that looks like in kingdom. I would just encourage you to take these moments to heart to the Holy Spirit to guide you, to challenge you about stepping out. And to step out, even if it's a little bit scary, actually there is freedom in that because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. He is with us. We are stepping out and God will use what we use, uh, what we do for his kingdom. Don't hide what God has given you in a bushel. We talk about don't hide your light in a bushel. It's the chance to show others what you know. It's a chance to show others who our God is. It's a chance to breathe in and out a bit of what the kingdom is. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. That was the verse that came from Christine. We're just going to wait a few minutes. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do.